0: awesome. So good. So good. So good. Um, You know, I used to think Randy was an introvert myself until um, I did team fit with him last year. (laughs) And he can dance like nobody's business. I mean, it's crazy. Awesome. Um, We're going to talk a little bit this morning about an area of work I think that a lot of you will uh, relate to. Um, when I was first offered this position uh, with CTK, um, this would have been 14 years ago now. When I was first offered the position, it was a glo- like saying glorious day this morning. It was a glorious day for me. It was kind of like the storm clouds had parted, rays of golden sunshine were shining through, um, choirs of angels were singing What a Wonderful World. It was kind of one of those moments. And um, I'd been working a, a job for about 22 months prior that I knew was not the the, the work that I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And on top of that, um, my family, we were just, we're in a place that was very challenging. Becky and I especially were dealing with a lot of burnout and just a lot of depression on top of all that. And so when the job came along, it was kind of like, I felt like God was redeeming a situation that was just broken in my life. And uh, there were just so many good things. I was going to be joining this incredible staff in this growing, thriving church. And I was going to be moving to this beautiful place where there was all the things that I just love. Hiking, snowboarding, ocean, all that kind of stuff. And I remember the first day that I, I drove into work and... Literally, I'm driving down the guide. We were actually living with Becky's parents and Lyndon at the time. Driving down the guide, it was this like blue sky day. Mount Baker's just shining in the background and you too comes on the radio. What a beautiful day. Or it's a beautiful day. And I was like, wow, that's like God, you just like are orchestrating this whole thing. It's so beautiful, so amazing. And um, it didn't take long though before the dream job started to present some challenges. Um, I hadn't even officially moved down here. It was about two weeks before I moved, and all of a sudden, it just hit me that I was going to be moving my entire family to a different country. I was going to be stepping into this role that was way different than anything that I'd I'd ever done, and I was filled with anxiety, tons of stress. Um, When I started, there was all the stress of working in a large church that was very different from all the small churches that I've been a part of my whole entire life, just the speed of things, things were just flying way faster than I'd, I'd ever experienced before. I um, came to Ferndale the second Sunday of Ferndale, just after it had launched, and I, I remember feeling like I had been dropped into the middle of a hurricane, and I had to figure out what, which, what to do, not even knowing where north or south was. It was, just, it was chaos, and it didn't take long to see that not everybody was happy with how things were being done, there was a lot of tension. I don't know if some of you that have been around since the early days remember, but there was a lot of tension around video. We used to have the preaching was all done on video, and there was a lot of tension. Like, a lot of people liked it, but a lot of people were very upset that we were doing that. And uh, there was just all that tension. And then, um, furthermore, not everybody liked me. Not everybody was super excited that some random guy from northern Canada was being brought down to pastor this, this church. And these folks weren't singing It's a Beautiful Day when I showed up. (laughs) And they were instead pushing back with lots of complaining and lots of negativity and all that kind of stuff. And those were just the work challenges, to say nothing of all the challenges that we were facing at home. Being in a new country, we just added kid number five to the mix. Presley was two weeks old. and And so we're trying to figure out a new medical system. We're trying to figure out a new school system, all these kinds of things, new culture. And that around six months into my dream job, I was ready to quit. In fact, I literally woke up I don't know if Becky if you remember this but I literally woke up one morning after what had been another pretty much sleepless night, and I rolled over and just said, "I can't do this anymore." And God works some things out where things obviously change, because here I am. But there's no such thing in this world as a job that doesn't have challenges. There is no such thing. Every job, even the jobs that tend to be the jobs that we think of as our dream jobs have challenges. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, maybe some of you students in the room are like, oh man, if I could just one day be like a, a star athlete or if I could be like a, a, an internet celebrity that's rich and famous and everybody knows, that'll be like the dream job. But even those jobs have their challenges. You're very limited in what you can do, You can't just go to the beach. You can't go to the restaurants uh, without being mobbed. You attract stalkers. You're being judged all the time, and you have zero privacy. Every job has its challenges. And and one of the key ways that our faith connects with our work is when we recognize that all work brings challenges, and we respond to those challenges in a Christ-like way. It's one of the key ways that we connect our faith with the work that we do. Back in week one, we looked at how people so often, they have the wrong idea of how work in the fall, when Adam and Eve bit that apple, how that all works together. People often think that when Adam and Eve ate the apple and they turned their backs on God, that that was when work was introduced into the picture. And and you can see that if that's your perception of work, you are going to have a very wrong picture of work you're always going to see it as this bad evil thing it's always going to be a four-letter word to you work but that's not actually what work is all about um we've seen in this series how work was god's idea god was the one who actually intended work to be something that brings you and i pleasure intended to fulfill us give us a sense of accomplishment as we're joining in with god and making this world a better place And what the fall did, however, is it changed the nature of work. It didn't create work, it changed it, though. And instead of work being simply a gift like the rest of creation, it's under a curse, cursed by God himself. And we're going to read this morning what, what God says to Adam about work after the fall. God says, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, The ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Challenges. You live in a broken, fallen world, and if you spend your life looking for the perfect job that doesn't have any challenges, you will live your life frustrated and disillusioned because that job does not exist. It doesn't exist. And I don't know about you, but, but I find that when I accept this, it actually doesn't discourage me, but, but instead it frees me from this delusion that we sometimes have that there's a perfect job out there somewhere. It frees you from the discouragement that can creep into work when it gets challenging. Not only that, but it shakes me out of this fog of constantly daydreaming about the greener grass on the other side. And it empowers me to face the challenges that I currently face today in a matter of fact, in Christ-like way. It's a good thing when when you see it that way. And this morning, what I want to do is look at some of the more common challenges that we face at work. We could, we could talk about—I mean, there, we could have a long list today of the challenges at work, but i want to talk through some of the more common challenges and see what God's Word has to say about dealing with these in a Christ-like way. Challenge number one, if you're taking notes. Challenge number one is maintaining integrity. Maintaining integrity. Being a person of integrity simply means you live honestly. You live whole, you act the same way regardless of who you're with. The part of you that's hidden, that nobody sees, is integrated with the part of you that is seen. You don't have one face in front of your church family or your boss or your parents, and then another face behind their back. You're authentic. What you see is what you get. That's that's being a person of integrity. In the world of investment banking, there has has never been a bigger investment fraud than the one that was uncovered during the, the great financial crisis of 2008. For years, a man who's become notorious, a man named Bernie Madoff, he ran one of the biggest financial Ponzi schemes in financial history, and nobody knew it. Bernie Madoff seemed like the kind of guy who would never do such a thing in public. He'd been one of New York City's most well-known, most respected citizens, this this icon of Wall Street. He was famous around the world for his generosity. On top of this, he was known for making his clients a lot of money. In fact, he made his clients so much money that it almost seemed too good to be be true. You know what they say, when something seems too good to be true, it's because it probably is. On December 11th, 2008, he was arrested for securities fraud. The SEC threw the book at him, wire fraud, perjury, theft from employee, employment, employee benefits plans, making false filings, and all he was charged with 11 federal offenses. And in the end, they discovered that in order to, to finance his lavish lifestyle and his generosity, he funneled $65 billion out of his client's account and into his own pocket. I don't think any of us will ever be in a position to demonstrate a lack of integrity on that scale. Um, But listen, you will have plenty of opportunities to demonstrate a lack of integrity on a smaller scale. Opportunities to fudge the numbers just a little bit in your accounting. Opportunities to take home office supplies for personal use without having anybody's permission and then accidentally forget them there. Opportunities to call in sick when you're not really sick. Nobody's ever done that in this room, I'm sure. Opportunities to steal time from your employer by using work hours to work on personal projects or scroll through social media. And statistically speaking, 8 out of 10 of you in this room scroll through social media for personal use during work hours. Crazy stat, isn't it? Students, you'll have opportunities to cheat on your tests, to plagiarize your essays, to act differently around your friends than you do around your family. You'll have lots of opportunities to not maintain your integrity. There's a guy in the Bible, his name is Daniel, and he's a great example for us of what it looks like to maintain your integrity at work. Daniel is this young Hebrew guy. He's, he's living as, as an exile in the, the country of Babylon. And he's about to get a massive job promotion. He's actually being trained to work inside of the king's palace. But there's a problem. In order for Daniel to have that job, he's, gonna, he, he's, he's presented with all the king's food and drink that are going to be a part of his whole training regimen. And to Daniel's kosher sensibilities, that is, is not a good thing. It would be a violation of his integrity to eat the king's food and the king's drink. He'd be going against what he believed was the right thing to do. But, but how did Daniel respond and handle the situation? The Bible says this. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He was resolved. He was committed to being true to what he believed was the right way to live. He maintained his integrity And your life, you might not know this, but your life is like an iceberg. There's that little tiny bit at the very top that everybody sees, and there's, there's, there's the part underneath. And, and it be a person, though, who's resolved to have those integrated. A person who maintains their integrity no matter the cost. And a lot of times there will be a cost. But when you're a person who goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maintain my integrity, I'm going to be authentic and real with who I am, you, you stay resolved to do that. Challenge number two, overwork and burnout. We live, most of us in America, we pride ourselves in this nation on our work ethic. And it's in our DNA, right? Like even going way back to to Native Americans having to like struggle to survive by working hard. Early immigrants, they would not have survived unless they had a hard Hard work ethic and built the society that, that we, we have today. Work ethic is a good and noble noble virtue to have, but like every virtue, it also has it has its vice. And that vice is getting to a place where we work ourselves to death. We kill our marriages, we kill our families, and even for a lot of people, they end up killing themselves in the end because of excessive heart disease or whatever because of stress from having a workaholic type lifestyle. As we saw in week one of this series, God works. In Genesis 1, we see him working. The Bible says, on the seventh day, God had finished his what? His work of creation. It was work. And because God works, work is good. Work is a blessing. But then after God had finished working, that verse goes on to say, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. And don't you think that if God works and then he rests, that we who are human should follow his example and do the same? You can take a load off. You can take a load off. Guess what? The world is going to keep spinning if you stop working. If you find yourself, though, thinking, but I can't, then I would just, I'd encourage you to, to take some time, put some, make some time, set it aside, and then answer the simple question, if you think you can't stop working, answer the question, why can't I? Why can't I stop working? Is it because you're, maybe you're a people pleaser and you just have a, a hard time saying no, you're saying yes to everything, and, and you've you got a big, massive task list you just can't get away from? Is it because you're maybe doing a poor job of planning? Um, I find that in our busy culture, if you don't plan to rest, if you don't plan to have that getaway with your, your, your spouse, if you don't plan to have that family vacation, if you don't plan the rest, guess what? It's not going to happen. You have to plan to rest. Or maybe it's because if, if you're honest, there's something inside of you that's just like, you got to have more money. It's this, this greed that's driving you to work, 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 because you just want more, 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 more. Why is it that you can't rest? Now, I understand that there's definitely seasons where rest is very difficult. We've got people in our church right now that are doing turnaround and, and working like 20 days straight, 12 hours a day, no rest. I get that. But, but then if that's the case where you're at, then it's extra important to find the time outside of that to rest and, and have your strength replenished, to be present with Jesus, present with your family. Avoiding the challenge of overwork and burnout in a godly way means that we have these, we, these godly rhythms in our life. We work, and then we rest. We work, and then we rest. We work, and then we rest. We work, and then we what? We rest. It's a godly rhythm that, that God models for us. Challenge number three is unemployment. Unemployment. It's interesting how work itself poses so many challenges, but one of the biggest challenges of work is when you don't actually have it. When you don't have it. And it's not just a challenge because you don't have a paycheck um, to to pay the bills. It's a challenge because, as we've been seeing through this whole entire series, you and I have been wired by God to work. We've been wired by God to contribute to to the world. And in Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, And take care of it God put humanity you and me on this planet to work it to cultivate it to contribute to its flourishing and when you're not doing what you've been created to do there's a hole there right something something's missing you know how many retirees have have you 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 talk with them about how things are going and and they have all the finances set up for the rest of their lives but they will still say there's something missing there's something that's 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 not right and and of course, I'm not saying this morning that retiring is unemployment. I get that it's completely different. It's good. It's, it's it's that's that's all good. But I don't believe that God is saying once you retire, that's time to just like find a find a sandy beach somewhere and just collect seashells for the rest of your life. I don't think, now I've not been retired, but I don't think that's gonna be something that brings significance. Maybe it will for a little bit of time, but it's not going to feel that, that thing that God put in you to contribute. And I love how we have retirees in our church who, who are not working that paid job anymore, but they continue to contribute and give. And, and uh, you, you heard from, from Randy this morning just how he's, he's not working the, the, the job at the post office, but he's giving back. He's serving. And, and it's this, this thing that we've been created to do. But how do you handle unemployment when you need the paycheck but the company downsizes or you just maybe plain old get fired. This is one of those challenges that is either going to push you toward God or it's going to push you away from God. It can either be detrimental to your faith and that you don't trust Him. Instead, you blame Him. Like, God, why did this happen after all these years? Or it can be something that fans your faith into flame by bringing you to a whole new place of trust. A whole new place of trust. Um, There's a guy in our church, and I didn't, he's not here this morning so I can talk about him. I didn't tell him, I I didn't didn't even ask his permission to share this, so I might get in trouble. But, um, we all know about how how, uh, two years ago, Alcoa got shut down. And one of the guys in our church, um, Augustine Galindo, um, worked at Alcoa for, what was it, 20 plus years? He was there? Long time. And I would often check in with him as everything was, you know how it went, it was just slowly winding down and, and, uh, until eventually everybody was laid off, and I would check with him over and over again, like, hey, how are you doing, how are things going, and, 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 and some of you did the same thing with him, and one of the things that you would see with Augie all the time was peace, to the point where I'm like, hey, you, you should probably be freaking out a little bit right now. <laughs> But it just wasn't there. There was this, this peace in this constant, like, no, my, my God is a big God, and he's, He knows me. He knows, he knows where I'm going. He knows, he knows all my needs. He's going to provide. There's just this peace. And you could see how, how that, that, that prospect of unemployment that was coming rapidly down the pike, how it pushed Him. It pushed Him into God. It pushed Him towards, towards Him. And I don't know if some of you that are listening this morning, maybe in the room or online, Maybe you're in that place where you don't have a job, and you've been looking and looking and trying to find that. You're hearing this morning about all these, these different um, vocations and how they, they match wiring, gifting, and passion, all that. You're going, I want that so bad. But it's just not happening. And I just would encourage you this morning to let that place that you're in um, be something that pushes you pushes you into God. Let the uncertainty of unemployment push you to the one who is certain. Push you into the one who is a rock. Push you into the one who doesn't change. Push you into the one who is your father, who will provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. Let it push you into Jesus and grow your faith and grow your peace. And you might be surprised at some of the doors that God will open for you. And then the last challenge that we want to look at this morning is the challenge of discontentment. And if we're honest... All of us, working or not, have been at a place where you've been discontent with the work that you do. Pew Research recently did a study asking people around the world what gives them meaning in life, and um, two countries were at the top of the list in ranking, they, they added work as something that brought them meaning. Italy and Spain were both, over 40% of people said that work brought them meaning, and America, It was only 17% of people said that work brought them meaning, which translates into a lot of discontent workers. A phrase that's become actually really common today is this phrase, quiet quitters. Anybody heard this quiet quitters phrase? It's this idea that people are on there, they're working their job, but inside they're just done. They don't want to be there. They they. They don't like their job. It doesn't use their gifts and passions. It's uh, the people they work with are difficult and demanding. You desperately want out, but you've got those golden handcuffs. You need that paycheck, so you just can't move on, and you just stay there, stuck in discontent. And, and that's a problem because a big, a big problem with discontentment is that I find, and, and I, get, I get there myself. Discontentment is a breeding ground for a whole lot of other bad stuff. So when I'm discontent, guess what? I start complaining a lot more. I just find so many different things to complain about. When, when I'm discontent, negativity grows out of that discontent. You see all the bad stuff about your work. You see all the bad stuff about your boss. On top of that, complacency grows out of your discontent. You don't start—you're no longer bringing your A game to work anymore. You're just kind of showing up. You're just doing the time. You're just just doing what you got to do, earning that paycheck. Everybody, including you, suffers when that's the case. And and the big key to overcoming discontentment is found in Philippians 4, this well-known verse. It's the Apostle Paul. He's writing this verse. He's not writing it from the top of vocational success. No, he's actually writing this verse from the—like he does from a lot of his letters—from a prison— But he writes on contentment. He says this. He says, I'm glad in God. Far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. He's writing to the church of Philippi here. He says, You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, or I would add being on a job that I love or being on a job that I can't stand. This is the the key. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one, the one being Jesus who makes me who I am. And growing in Christ is learning contentment that comes from having Jesus. Not a contentment that comes from from financial health or 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 maybe physical health or a perfect job. You know, you might never get your dream job in this lifetime, that does not disqualify you from being content. You can have this kind of contentment because you have you have Jesus. You have Jesus. But it begs the question well what about what about we, we talk in the church about about holy discontent you know the kind of discontent that is put there by God and he puts it there sometimes in a different in a, in a job that we're in this 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 discontent and and Je, Jess described this a little bit at the work that she was in this 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 holy discontent it's there because God put it there and he put it there because he's wanting to push you out into deeper waters you're in the boat you' know, like Peter you're in the boat you you see the waters out there, and it's like you know that you're supposed to be out there, and you're discontent being in the boat, and you're restless. And that restlessness is something that God himself won't let you walk away from. First of all, how do you discern what to do next in these situations? Because it can be very tricky to navigate those situations. You're going, is this just me? Is it my work? Is it God? Is it—what what is going on here? Well, let me just give you a few ideas on how you can navigate those situations. Number one is this, pray— Bring it to Jesus. If work matters to God, it only makes sense that, that he would have an interest in saying what to do next in that kind of situation. So pray to do some honest, soul-searching, personal reflection. You know, what are your, your gifts? What are your passions? What are your, what are your strengths? This, this might surprise you, but there are times when, when, when I'm like, I'm in a place right where I'm like, God, being a pastor is hard. And I'll I'll even entertain the idea. Okay, what else would I do? And and when that happens, I inevitably actually end up coming back to pastoring because I'm passionate about the church. Even when I'm not, even when, when I'm on vacation, I'm someplace far away. Guess what I'm thinking about? The church. And I've got a passion for strategy and building community and and and. And, and seeking God together and cr- even creating a place like this this morning where we come together and, and I encourage you do some, some honest reflection soul searching God what are the things that, that you created me for so pray do some soul searching number three bring some trusted friends in for counsel Randy talked about doing this and, and Proverbs says there's wisdom in the counsel of many if you're discontent and you don't know is this God or not is there a is there a change in direction bring some people in bring some people in to be a part of that conversation. And then number four is, is take prayerful action. Take prayerful action. And I wouldn't recommend starting off with going in the next day and giving your two weeks notice. You know, start off by maybe make a, a personal mission statement or I did something, I've shared it here before, I did this like 10 years ago, I created this, this life plan. Just what what are, what, what what I feel like God is leading me to To be in life, and what do I see my marriage looking like, my family looking like? How do I want to contribute to this world? Write all that stuff down. It'll bring so much clarity. But don't stay stuck in holy discontentment. Seek Jesus and then then take action. And just in closing, I want to ask you how, how are you responding to the challenges that you're facing at work? How are you responding to the challenges? And God's plan for you is that you become like Jesus. And you responded to those challenges in a Christ-like way. And don't look at your work obstacles, challenges. Sorry, don't look at your challenges as obstacles. Look at them as opportunities for you to become more and more like Jesus. And not just to be for you to become like Jesus, but for you to reveal Jesus to others in the process. You know, the greatest work that Jesus did was actually also his most challenging work. He did the work of picking up a cross. He did the work of, of going through the whole entire crucifixion ordeal, being beaten so that you and I could have life. But, but he had his, his spiritual org chart, so to speak. He had it lined up. He was ultimately doing it for who? For, for the glory of God. And we've talked a lot of, in this series about doing your work Not as unto a boss, although that's part of it too, but doing your work as unto the Lord. And when you do that, he brings the strength, he brings the resolve, he brings the direction, the perseverance to help you get through whatever challenges that you're facing in your work. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the way you refine us, for the way you shape us. God, you are working through... All kinds of different work challenges. God represented God in this room and with those watching online. God, all, all different kinds of challenges. You're working through them, God, to shape us and to mold us to look like you. You're working through them to help us be a light, God, to those around. God, I love how, how, how Randy and Jess both shared about how they're able to be a light in their workplace. And God, I know that you're going you're gonna to do that through somebody in this room especially as their coworkers see how they are responding to challenges. And so, God, I pray that you would give the grace needed, God, to work through those challenges. God, there's probably some challenges in this this room that are very complicated. But, God, we serve you, a God of, of all wisdom and knowledge. And, God, I pray that you would give the wisdom and the knowledge and the grace to help navigate those different challenges. And God, I also want to pray this morning for, God, for somebody here that's that's maybe just experiencing a holy discontent. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them just know how to to walk with that. God, help them know what's next. Help them hear your voice, God, speaking to them through this time. God, if they need to wait, help them know to wait. If they need to move, help them know, God, whatever it is they need to do, I pray, God, that their, their ears would be so attuned with what your Spirit is saying to them. Open our ears to hear you speak. And God, I want to thank you once again, God, for work. God, your good, glorious idea. God, thank you that you bring us in on making this world a better place. God, thank you that you bring us in on the work that you do of loving people. God, help us to do that well. God, help us to do it for your glory in your name. I pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Hey, it's been really good having you out this morning. And uh, have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. Try to stay dry. All that fun stuff. God bless. Have a great day.